Good morning, Davide. Good morning, Marta. How are you doing? Hi, really, really well. Thanks, really well. Yeah, pretty good today. Good, good. So you're here on the Stage of Place talking about your latest show, Blanket Ban, which is at the Southwark Playhouse Borough from the 25th of April to the 20th of May. Talk to me about Blanket Ban. What is it about? So Blanket Ban is a play about the complete abortion ban in Malta, which is where we're both from. And we started thinking about making this play when Sea Malta, as far as we remember it, was always very, very anti-choice. The, the surveys always showed that, you know, the population was unanimously anti-choice. And then in 2019, things began to shift a little bit and there was like a, a small pro-choice movement starting. When we saw that happen, we thought, okay, we want to we wanna add our contribution to the, to the conversation. And so we decided to make this play and it is a play based on a huge now amount of interviews with people like activists and journalists and sociologists and doctors and lawyers, but also lots of people who've had abortions illegally in Malta. Yeah, and we sort of started off wanting to really present an overview of quite a terrible situation. So, you know, we took a very journalistic researcher approach in talking to, you know, different experts on, 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 on the subject. What then actually happened was that we were being really affected making the show and, and the stories that we were listening to and how the responsibility of being, you know, one of the very few chosen people, someone who's had an abortion in secret is, is speaking to and sharing this very sort of personal experience with. So then we kind of had this conversation where we're like, okay, so there's this part of the work where one can kind of, you know, Google abortion ban and find articles and find, you know, updates when it when it comes to the law, etc. What we can bring that no one else can bring is our journey within this work. And that's sort of really when the play started shifting, because putting ourselves on the line and uh, making ourselves really vulnerable, you know, going from reporting position to then actually inserting ourselves in the show. Yeah, so there's a character called Davinia and a character called Marta in the show. We really kind of put ourselves on the line yeah. there. <laughs> and that's where the show just sort of then took a very, a very different turn. We also call this show a love letter to Malta. So, you know, we're, we're obviously putting the spotlight on something that's not great, but we also take a lot of time to talk about how incredible the country is and how much we love it and how much we want the absolute best for it. And to really celebrate those key players who are also putting their neck out on the line because um, Malta is the size of the Isle of Wight, you know, it has a population of half a million people. You literally know everyone, you're literally close to everyone. So when you go out publicly and when you put yourself out there with a controversial mm -hmm. opinion, it isn't quite the same as doing it in another country that's sort of much bigger and you're way more removed than anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's got a really strong gesture and I love that. It feels like it's so mixed with so many different ideas and feelings and emotions and I love that. It feels, it sounds really exciting. So you two are Chalkline Theatre, yeah. So you're writing and you're performing. 
this piece blanket ban as well so kind of like what's the process of kind of like deciding from like interviewing people kind of like working out what particular moments that you want to keep what's that kind of devising process like so chalkline theater is the co-artistic directors of chalkline theater are the directors of blanket ban sam edmonds and vikesh godwani who are our, our friends and we saw their previous work the nobodies at the vaults and we really liked you know their aesthetic is very slick very high energy sort of intense and very political they focus yeah. on on really incisive political work and uh, Vikesh is Maltese as well so that was very important to us to sort of have um, a creative team and part of the creative team who really knows what the country is about and sort of can bring their own experience in the room as well. Yeah, writing and performing it is definitely very, very interesting because I feel like you're constantly putting your own work to the test and you're always questioning everything and figuring out if there's a better way of going about this section and if it's clear enough and then you're also in a position where you know the play better than anyone because you have created the play and you're living the play and you're living through that experience of making the play. The Fringe was mental as it always is. We were really lucky and we won um, the Untapped Award last year which is an award by the New Diorama and Underbelly and they give support to a couple of projects to go to the Fringe. We also had the play text published by Matthew, in which by Matthew, in which was very, very one cool. of the highlights of my life. I For think, sure. <laughs> not just the as my <laughs> And obviously, you know, with the Fringe, come a lot of sort of rules and restrictions in that it has to be an hour, you have to obviously get in and out of your space every single day. So a lot of decisions that were made reflected that. Now that we're at the Southern and we're getting this transfer, uh, the fact that you know we have a permanent home for a whole month has been a game changer really because it really feels like we can yeah. sink into it we can exactly. sink and this is and, and it kind of just feels like this is the play we want to be making in that there were a lot of negotiations to be done last time even when it came to timing for example like really sweet moments but not essential so those were cut and now that there's some more time to breathe, we can we can actually do the whole show is being redesigned as well again because it's you know it is it is a permanent space so we're very very excited about that yeah and it's just great it's just great to be be back in the rehearsal room mm. it's also great to do a second round of this where we can look back really analyze what happened in the first part of the process what was really successful, what wasn't. And again, you know, going back to us writing and performing and sort of being in it. I think that a big lesson for us both was the realization that what we thought best wasn't always maybe what was best for the show. Mm. In that, for example, one would think that a scene isn't exciting enough mm. and there isn't enough movement. Uh, that. Then we go to the fringe. And what people actually respond to is what we thought would be, oh, but that's so boring and so static and, you know. You know, it's literally someone telling a story. Someone yeah. telling a very raw, real, beautiful, vulnerable story. And that's what people actually want to see. Yeah. And I, I guess that that is also a testament to the power of these testimonies so so yeah so that's been really exciting and i think i think for me that the challenge about being both the writer and performing in the show was when does my role as a writer stop <laughs> and when does my role as a performer begin because there's a temptation to just constantly tweak and change and change and change so that was learning curve that was something that we had to at some point be like okay we're just going to let go 
activists now and just be performers. But also, I don't think I've ever performed like in a full length thing that I've written before. And now I really understand why at drama school they told us you have to learn the lines as they are. <laughs> because I'm like, oh yeah, I stayed up till two in the morning making sure it was this word and not this word. Oh, I can't paraphrase it now. Oh no, <laughs> that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> and you think it's easier when you write the lines, but it's but not. It's... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. It's it's it feels like such a show with such agency and such. It feels exciting and it feels like there's so like so much light and shade. And I think it's really interesting that you are there throughout the whole process and that it's so personal to you. I think you, what you said, Marta, was interesting kind of like you're living the play a lot kind of like through the research process and then the rehearsal process kind of because it's such a a topic which really affects audiences and and performers and and everyone how do you look after yourself during that process as you said Davinia kind of like you're not sure kind of like what role you are at certain points kind of like how do you step back from the whole process and look after yourself as a human being for me I mean I am kind of used to doing this work so I work with abortion rights UK which is the UK's national abortion rights campaign so I'm sort of used to dealing with this subject matter in my day-to-day life and I think you you build a sort of practice of self-care there's something that happens where organically you begin to compartmentalize a little bit be able to detach a bit but that doesn't always happen you'll find that there are still certain things that really do affect you. So I think it's just important to be surrounded by people who understand that this is heavy going stuff, who can give you the space that you need if you need it. I mean, for me, it can be something as well as simple as at the end of the day, just going home and watching an episode of like Next in Fashion and I bloody love it. <laughs> That's great reality TV. That's not even rubbish. I actually think that, and I'm not just saying this, but I actually feel really lucky because we are actually a really good team. Of course, there are production tensions, making a show, tensions are running high, the stakes are really high. But, you know, Davinia and I were always really solid. Um, we never really fell out. We never really became a different version of ourselves. I, I never really felt alone in this, which I think makes a world of difference because the material, the subject matter is heavy and it's not sort of carrying that all on your own, um, I think makes a massive difference. And something that we also were really mindful of is just, you know, because of, because of how tough the material is, I think we've actually created a really funny show. The show has uh, a lot of humor in it Mm -hmm. and these very intentionally curated moments of like relief and respite. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I think there's an awareness of looking after your audience as not just you guys as performers and and creators, but the audience in the space and what happens to them during and then after. I think that's really important to bear in mind as well. You know, the point is that we never want our audience to feel unsafe but we never want them to feel entirely comfortable either. Like this is a kind of a call to action show. So you do want to kind of light a fire on the people and get them to, to want to take action. But I don't want them ever to feel like they're going to have a complete meltdown after they leave the show. Yeah, to a certain extent, that is the bit that we have very little control over in that do our own like self-care rituals and communicate and be in control of what happens in the show and in the rehearsal. But even when we're performing at the Fringe almost after every show, you know, I had women and people coming up to us being very, very moved. And you know, you're like there and obviously witnessing it and you're incredibly grateful that someone feels so safe, open up. You're so honored that piece of work that you've created could have that effect. But that to me also, you know, affected me 
in that we're in our dressing room, removing our makeup, you know, getting out of costume, and we're, you know, just having that moment where we're like, mm. okay. And uh, in a way, that's also, you know, a reminder of why this needs to happen and why we're doing this. And it keeps, you know, fueling you. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like, it, it helps that Marta and I both really, really believe in this. Like, we believe that this is a really important cause. And there were many moments where that was our kind of guiding light. Because it really puts things into perspective. Where you have this, this like, really big cause that you're working for. And whatever happens, you know that that's the most important thing. That's the work. That then, when, you know, your, like, cup is really empty. Because, you know, it gets exhausting, etc., etc. But then remembering that and what you're doing it for, that is exactly, you know, yeah, what, what we need back, yeah. to bring, yeah, brings you back. To mm. And it's really exciting and brilliant that you've had quite a strong life behind up till now at the Southwark Playhouse. Why is it really resonant now? Kind of like, what is it about today? I mean, I think we all know anyway, but like hearing from you, why should audiences see this? What are they really going to take away from it? Yeah, so, you know, just before we got into rehearsals for The Fringe, the US overturned Roe v. Wade. That was like the first blow. And, you know, we've been expecting it for a while, but it was a blow nevertheless. And I think that in, in abortion rights activism, we say that when the antis are bolstered in one place, they're bolstered in another place as well. So people who are anti-choice in this country have looked at what happened in America and thought, okay, we can make that happen here. And we've seen a lot in the UK, I mean, and we've seen a lot more and anti-abortion protests outside abortion clinics, you know, these people harassing and bullying people who are there to receive healthcare at the end of the day. We've also seen that over the last couple of years, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a really quick overview of the abortion law in the UK because it really it really fascinates me that a lot of people don't know it so abortion in the UK is a criminal act under the 1861 offenses against the persons act but there was an, an act in 1967 which said that okay but it's legalized if you have permission from two doctors to get an abortion right so in this country if you want an abortion you go to like an official healthcare provider um, you get permission from two doctors and you can have that abortion which is great, but the problem with that is that you have situations where, you know, if you're in precarious employment, if you've already got kids and you can't afford childcare to make the doctor's appointment, if you can't get time off work, if you're in a coercive relationship and your partner won't let you out of the house, you can't go to that doctor's appointment. And so then you have a situation where women and pregnant people order pills online to take them without the permission of the doctor, but if you're caught doing that in the UK, you can be put in prison for the rest of your life, basically. And we've seen in the last couple of years, the number of people being spoken to by police for taking abortion pills illegally has risen quite a lot. So that in conjunction with the anti-abortion activity that's happening outside clinics really worries me. And I think this show partly, as well as us obviously wanting to make people aware about what's happening in a country that I think to a lot of Britons is a bit of a paradise on earth situation, you know, where it's sunny and it's a party island and we have amazing food and weather and people, blah, blah, blah. There's this kind of dark underbelly to it that British people, we, we want it to be a cautionary tale. You know, British people can't be complacent because look how easily your rights get taken away. And, and just because you have your rights now 
they can just, you know, be taken away overnight, just like what happened with Roe v. Wade. Poland, you know, this sort of really drastic situation where someone was just, Justina was on trial for procuring abortion pills for someone. Who was in an abusive um, relationship. Assisting, yeah. you know, an abortion. So uh, the situation is uh, stable till it isn't. Yeah. Right? And it's also... I think we can we can safely say that um, with sort of the rise in you know the right far right movement globally really what is happening is that human rights are really picked on as a distraction whilst the awful things are happening. You you also find that in in you know societies where the politics has shifted quite extremely to the right, the first things to go are women's, women's rights, rights and gay rights. rights. Yeah, gay rights. It's always it. the minorities. So it's really important. And for example, case in point, I had no idea this situation in the UK before we really started doing this play, you know, and I got talking to Davinia and her work with abortion rights. So I think it's really interesting because, you know, being British and growing up here, you just assume it's, it's legal here. And, you know, Malta is the is the weird country that, you know, doesn't that. But then, for example, wasn't it thanks to COVID that the telemedicine got uh, proved? Yeah. Finally, obviously, in the UK. But again, you know, just like it was approved like that, can be taken away like that can be reversed. So apart from hopefully a really good piece of art, you know, a really good, wonderful evening at the theatre, it's also, you know, a cautionary tale and a call to action. Be it speaking to each other, being educating, you know, other people, being supporting someone through an abortion, be it um, donating to organisations that help women procure abortions from countries or send them pills. There is something one can do and there is something that one should do. And I think it's sort of all of our duty as, you know, humans, women, people, to really support each other through this because it, it's a really difficult reality to be living. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, so you're both Maltese, you're both from Malta. What's the change that you want to see in Malta specifically? Because obviously that was the start of the process and that's kind of really defined that what you're giving the show yourselves. Yeah. Kind of like, what do you want to see in like five years time in Malta? I mean, I, I want to start off by saying that Malta does a lot of things right. We have the most progressive trans rights in the world. We come first for LGBTIQ plus rights consistently. Free healthcare, free public transport. Education is not only free, and I mean university is not only free, but you get paid to go. You have a stipend, free childcare. So there's an incredible amount of stuff, you know, that, that's being done correctly. And which was the real conundrum of yeah. us making this play. Because that's the question we're like, that we're asking. This, like, is, this is a country that gets so much right that at least on paper understands the minority, understands the underdog. And the worker. So why is it sort of this one thing? And that is what we, you know, set out to investigate in this show. So what, what I would want to see in the next five years, obviously, is legislation that essentially decriminalizes abortion. That's what I want. I want abortion to be decriminalized. And I want structures in place for people who need abortions to be able to get it, no questions asked. However, I would also like to see people being more compassionate towards people who need abortions, because I think there's this idea of the woman who needs an abortion. And I'm using the term woman here intentionally. Because I think people who, who have this sort of perspective have this idea of the woman who needs an abortion as a fallen woman, a woman who's made mistakes, you know, a woman who has done something wrong or has enjoyed and them. 
now evading responsibility. Yeah, some, so I think that the people don't like people enjoying themselves more than they do. <laughs> and I think there's this idea that, oh, this woman has enjoyed herself too much. Now she has to pay for it. And I think Malta is a high majority Catholic country. We're Christians. And I, I really encourage Maltese people to, to be Christian and look at people who need abortions look at so-called fallen women and women who've made mistakes and go aren't those exactly the people that as christians we're supposed to love and let's also shift the conversation because it takes two people to get someone pregnant <laughs> right so fallen women you know women who open their legs women who are not ready to take responsibility blah 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 but we never talk about a man's role and a man's responsibility and precautions a man can take for a situation not to result in, in, in pregnancy. That conversation really Needs never, never happens. Mm. So yeah, I agree with Davinia. The criminalization of abortion first and foremost, it is shocking and inhumane that a life-saving procedure can get you criminalized and can, you know, have you be sent in jail like it's not, you know, hard enough like mm. like like it isn't an, enough of a thing that you to deal with and yeah and what we what we really hope is a shift in perspective and for people to soften a little and maybe it's also as Davinia said a very sort of Mediterranean Catholic thing right wrong saint sinner black white and we exist in the gray yeah, we all nobody exist exists in, the gray. in those binaries and the truth is which is also something that we found as as we were doing this this show when you do strike up a conversation mm. with people and you know the higher their their voices go the lower yours yours you know goes and you listen and you ask sort of carefully curated questions there, first there's this resistance mm. you know because i know what's right and you, absolutes being thrown out there and then people actually start softening and we have set out to make a good piece of art. We haven't set out to change people's minds. Mm. We haven't set out to preach, right? Mm. Because if you set out to do that, then I believe it affects the, the world, yeah. right? So we set out to do a show that feels, you know, really authentic and true to us. Of course, we do have the hope that people will leave the theatre feeling differently or thinking differently about what they've just witnessed and hopefully the work is strong enough to have that impact mm. we think it has on some levels yeah i think also this this conversation is like it's it's really sparked something in us as well and i think the the conversation that we're having now people will be having similar conversations after and beyond and like in the theater and outside as well so i think it's brilliant and i think it's really sounds like it's got so much agency and so much to offer not just audiences, but theatre and society in general. So I'm so excited. I'm really excited to see this and, and see see what you've got to offer. So it's at the Southwark Playhouse at Borough, 25th of April to the 20th of May. I hope your rehearsals go really well. Please do look after yourselves. Just before we go, we ask everyone on the stagey place this question right at the end of the podcast. And it's essentially what your stagey place is. So whether that's kind of the tech box, whether it's a theatre foyer, whether it's in the stalls or kind of like in the gods somewhere, or whether it's nowhere in particular, it's in your bath. I don't know. I'll start with you, Davinia. Where do you feel most stagey? I think it's on stage, but behind the curtain, just before the show begins, and just before the curtains open and there's that electricity and you're absolutely 
excited or, or uh, nervous or whatever it is, full of energy, and you can feel the audience's energy. And I think that's the place I feel like most alive. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, what about you, Marta? I'm, I'm with Davinia on, on, <laughs> on this one. It just feels like this strange um, moment where you're, you know, whatever is happening in your body is exhilarating and really dangerous. <laughs> so yeah, I think that those few minutes before a show, yeah. as 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 you can hear the audience pre-show mumble, that's 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 where it's most stagey. Brilliant, brilliant. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that adrenaline kind of like you can't you can't feel anywhere else. I love it so much. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Davinio Marta. Love talking to you about your show. And I hope the rehearsals go really well and I hope the run at Southwark goes well as well. Thank you so much. We can't wait to see you in the audience. Yes, Yes, I will certainly (laughs) be there in the audience. I really will.